I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. Okay, so I'm here today with Ryan Gustin, who's in Florida. And um, hello, Ryan. Nice to see you. (laughs) Okay, now, uh, Ryan, um, I've invited on to the podcast because he has been through the Vision for You process and from what he tells me, has had some positive results. So uh, those of you who've been listening to my podcast will know I've been talking about this. Uh, this is the, the process of, of discernment of personal vocation, uh, which is uh, we've called the vision for you, and uh, it's, I've written about in the book, which is available on Amazon. Um, but uh, all in the book itself, I always encourage people to uh, get in touch with those who've been through the process and this is a one-on-one process whereby one person uh, describes how they went through it to another and so I just thought it would be of interest to people just to hear the experiences of somebody else so Ryan um, you're in Florida at the moment um, so it's it's a bit later there that's why it looks dark and I'm in bright light here in California Um, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about your, your background, you, uh, how you heard about me and the process and uh, why you were really in a position to, to think about even doing this uh, when you heard about it. Sure. So I grew up in a very small town in central Florida called Lake Placid, Florida. And I grew up on a lake called Lake June. And very interestingly, if you were to look at a map, of the lake that I grew up on, it was Lake June, literally parentheses in winter, because everyone's, many people are familiar with a Lake June in New York, but I'm at Lake Placid in New York, this is the Lake Placid in Florida. So some of the people that helped develop that town up there, they came here as a winter home, and this was the small town that I grew up in. So not many things happening in Lake Placid, a lot of retirees, a lot of grandparents were there. And while I was there, I, I grew up homeschooled, right? So a little very, kind of a very peaceful, tranquil kind of life there. Had a number of good adventures with family and, and traveling and good, experiencing, good experiences with homeschooling. So when I was around 16 or so, I, I met a seminarian. I was only the second seminarian that I had really ever met and gotten a chance to speak with. And he began to teach um, and show things to me of the faith in, in a new manner that was both like intellectually convincing and also personally compelling. And through those interactions and those conversations, uh, I began to ask myself, looking back on it, like, what if this really is true and not just true on Sunday, but the truth, like not just one truth among many, but the truth that informs all other truths, you know, that that Christ really is the way, the truth, and the life. And as I began to kind of as I began to indulge in these kind of intellectual questions, I simultaneously was inspired by the seminarian to begin a more of a, a structured spiritual life. So I was growing simultaneously intellectually and spiritually, and that produced a, a very positive growth for me. And looking back on it, I could see I, I was, I kind of had a shift in my life from someone that was kind of mediocre overall, not doing anything really grand or not doing anything really morally wrong either, but just kind of average, if you will. Uh, to someone that had really seen like the truth and the goodness, you know, proposed by Christianity, proposed by Catholicism, that is, you know, Christ himself. So I began to take it more seriously. 
And then as high school was winding down, and I was moving closer towards graduation, it became clear that it made sense for me to, to go to the seminary, which I did. And in, in, in seminary, I can definitely say that each year was happier than the year before. Uh, so I was growing in happiness, and I was just growing in formation there. I had an excellent time there and, and countless good memories. But as time went on, it became clear to me that I didn't have a diocesan vocation to. Okay. Right. So you're there. Very difficult situation. Well, in some ways, difficult situation. So you have strong faith. Your faith yep. is sound. Um, you had tried the, the vocation, tested to see whether you ought to be a diocesan priest. It becomes mm -hmm. clear that you're not to be. And so yep. you're leaving the, the seminary and mm -hmm. I guess wondering what to do at this point. Exactly. So, so how, where did you go from there? So from there, I, I had a, a priest friend, uh, Father Sebastian Cornanzo, who was a, a biblical professor out in California and a Melkite priest. And that was the mutual friend uh, that we knew and he put us in touch yes. with one another. Yes, yeah, so, um, anyone from Pontifex University will know Father Carnazzo's name, he, he teaches the scripture classes and that, that's my connection to him. So yeah, so great. So you knew Father Sebastian, okay. Correct. Yeah. And so did you get in touch and ask him about this or why was he aware of your situation? Because you're in Florida, he's in California, close to me. We had, we had met uh, sort of 21st century pen pals, if you will, corresponding about some biblical questions and biblical apologetics. And we just kept in touch for so many years that, you know, we developed a sort of friendship and a sort of mentorship. And I'd always wanted to make it a point to go out and, and visit him and his family in California. So I think it was, yeah, just this last Christmas that I went out there to visit him. And when I was coming to visit, he told me um, of your work and uh, of the Vision for You program. All right, so he just presented this to you as, as perhaps a way for you to find a new direction. Is that, is that what he said, or did he tell you any detail about it at all? Yeah, he, he emphasized that it was a way for discerning the personal vocation and, and, and a good metric for what steps to take next. Wow, good. I'm glad he's saying those things. <laughs> uh, so that's very nice that, it's a, um, that he's recommending that. Good. So... What was your thought then? So clearly you trust Father Carnazzo. Uh, I'd known him then, for that point half a decade, so he was a close yes. friend at that point. Um, and then maybe we spoke on the phone or we, we met. I, I think we met at the church, didn't we? Um, yeah, we met after Divine Liturgy there, yes. One right. So what, were you at all... Uh, what, what was your thought about what you were getting into at that point? Did, did you have any trepidation or were you jumping into this enthusiastically or just what, what, what are your feelings before you did it? Um, just because I had known Father Sebastian for such time and had such good trust in, in him and his good counsel and friendship that if he said that you were trustworthy, that trust for me automatically extended. So more or less I was excited and intrigued to, to dive fully into the program. Right. Um, do, I'm just curious, there may not be anything, but is there anything that when I described this to you, we were introduced by Father Kanatsu at the church, is there anything that I said about it when I was describing it that uh, struck you as interesting 
um, anything you remember. If, I'm just interested in uh, what, what hooked you particularly. Uh, clearly Father Sebastian's recommendation. Um, mm -hmm. Did anything strike you at, about what you thought you were getting into when I was talking to you at all? I, I must have described the process to you. I'm just curious. I think it was uh, maybe a subconscious realization, but one that it was, it was a highly holistic program because I was familiar with some of the basic ideas of the way of beauty. So I knew it was a holistic within the, the Catholic theology and tradition. So I knew it was trustworthy in a theological sense. And I think I was also drawn to its systematic approach. So oftentimes I think even of those that have excellent theology and spirituality, sometimes it might lack a bit of the systematic guidelines that this program has, which is for me quite helpful. Okay. Yes, I, I, it certainly is systematic, um, I, and um, I know there are steps that you take, and there are there are set ways of, of progressing. Um, that suits me temperamentally as well. I think that's why I took to it uh, so well thirty years ago when I did it. Okay, so then uh, we talked for a bit, and then you went back to Florida, and we started the uh, these. Skype sessions, I think we we just did weekly Skypes or something yeah. like that for a while. Um, so again, just tell us your your sense of this as you went through it, um, and for example, just the things you remember about what I was telling you and the effects they they might have had at the early stages of you of you doing this. Sure. So I remember one thing very clearly standing out to me was the. Uh, is the idea of the very short prayer right in the morning, then kneeling down, that God protect me throughout this day and help me be of service to others. So, you know, that's less than a 15 second prayer. And at that time, uh, I was going to daily mass and, you know, holy hours and often an adoration and liturgy of the hours. I mean, it was already a very full, spiritual, grounded in a Catholic tradition, you know, almost like a monastery or arium, if you will. So initially, I didn't think this, but I think it would have been easy to fall into the temptation of what's this two second, you know, this two sentence prayer going to have an effect in contrast with all this other copious amount of spiritual activities yeah. that I'm doing. And what struck me is the days that I, I pray that and the days that I prayed it with maybe even more intentionality than normal, I would encounter someone that I'd be able to help just kind of in my day to day interactions. And after helping that person, nothing with huge things, but just just large enough for me to notice, I couldn't help get the, the interior sense that somehow there was a connection between me meeting and assisting that person and that prayer in the morning. I could feel like a direct kind of one-to-one -one correspondence between that intentional prayer in the morning that was, you know, 10 seconds to say and assisting people throughout the day. So that, that right. really struck me. So that two sentence. Okay prayer made that much of an impact okay so but what i gave you in that first session was this daily routine and as you mm -hmm. described it's a quick prayer in the morning quick prayer in the at night before we go to bed some reflection gratitude list and mm -hmm. some reading um as a sort of foundational uh part of the process now i i guess i'm i i first of all i would say that was exactly my experience while i I couldn't be sure, you know, I couldn't prove to anybody the cause and effect. Uh, my, just, my sense was that the day was going better. Um, 
I, I wasn't involved in any other, and for me, this was the only prayer I was doing at this point, but that I, I, I just had this sense, this seems to be working, and day, the days go, are going better, and I'm pretty sure this is the reason, but I can't say why, and I can't prove it, but I'm encouraged enough to keep doing it. And that's, and again, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that seems to be what you're describing uh, with this. I am very interested in the fact that even with the, all the, the noise, I, I don't mean that disparaging, but all the other stuff that you're doing, that you felt that this short prayer added to it. But, is a sort of a first prayer not something that's suggested to seminarians or it wasn't suggested to you as a Catholic growing up? I, I'm a convert, you see. So I, I, there are some aspects of ordinary Catholic practice that, that I'm unaware of. I came into the faith already doing this. And so I, I'm interested. You, you, this is something that was new to you for all, the, all that you've done in the faith? Well, by temperament, I'm not a morning person. So when I was in seminary, was often waking up and just going immediately into you know liturgy of the hours, often pretty early in the morning. Uh, okay. And, and oftentimes familiar with the idea of morning prayers or morning consecrations or, or those kinds of things. But I think it was almost the simplicity of this prayer. And also, also I think I probably prayed it with greater heartfeltness and intentionality because I had such great confidence that this system as a whole was going to have a positive effect. So the right. trust in the system enabled me to have greater trust in that small prayer. Okay. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay. So we, we went on the, the, the we, uh, week by week, we met up through Skype. Um, now, don't necessarily go through the detail of the process, but if I can just summarize, we would then, once I was happy that you were doing the, um, the daily routine, we would then talk about this analysis of resentments and fears, and then you would write all those down, and then we would meet and you would tell me this, uh, including a lot of very personal stuff. Uh, then after that, um, we would go through the actual discernment process where we started to ask questions about what you thought you might like to do, what your wildest dreams are. To, uh, these are the questions that, that I was asked. What you would do if you had so much money you could just choose to do what you're going to do. So that, that process took about, I'm thinking sort of seven or eight weeks, I think, of discussion and gradually going through it and then you doing some writing in between. So what, as you were going through, first of all, that analysis, looking at resentments and fears, the unhappiness in your life, um, again, can you just tell us um, how this struck you um, as you were going through it and what your feelings about it were? So what was kind of most intuitive was the first five or six are the ones that you know were on my heart and mind consciously it's like i know i'm bothered by a through c you know those are those are the ones that are obvious but yes the, the system encourages you to you know write more than just the most obvious ones so once those are once the things that were most bothering me were written on paper that alone made an impact it's like oh it's just these are the primary things that are 
fueling my resentment or bothering me, whether I realize it or not. And then to go through it systematically and just keep going. And then at a certain point, realizing how it went from, you know, almost like a triage that was, was most damaging to least damaging, maybe something else that, you know, I'd forgotten about would be a little bit more damaging. And until so eventually almost like a repeating of themes, like, Oh, I already kind of listed that a couple pages before. And so it got smaller and smaller to a certain point when I realized that I had covered basically everything that I could remember. And on one hand it was, wow, I've lived a very good life and yet this is still a multiple page document. So that was kind of <laughs> perplexing. But on yeah. the other hand, it was like, this is it. So yeah. I was struck by how many, you know, resentments or wounds or whatever term you want to have for it. I had even living such a very Catholic and great family upbringing and great education. There was still a lot, but at the same time, it wasn't an infinite amount. It was a finite amount and listing it out made it concrete and made it tangible. It kind of, it put it in the catalog. So it was no longer like unorganized hurt. It was organized hurt that was now tangible and objective and, and lessened and put before me. Right. And of course, what we're doing, what you're doing there is listing resentments, bad feelings about the past and then fears anticipations of, you know, the, of the future that we think are going to be difficult um, and then uh, attributing them to a self-centered response which in the uh, as we understand it we call sinful in that it separates us from God mm -hmm. but this is not to rub your nose in it it's not to, it's not to make you doubly at fault it's really an opportunity to be released from this by showing that in our unhappiness, we are self-centered, we're separating ourselves from God. Now, um, did, was this, this a new idea to you, that all of this, even unhappiness, that you wouldn't normally associate with sin, for example, I, I don't think many people would, uh, that, this, that our unhappiness is actually caused by our personal response to events, rather than um, the events themselves being the primary cause. Uh, was this new to you or ha had you heard that before? I mean, I, I'd heard certain senses of it from the Stoics, you know, it's like the, you have greater suffering and the anticipation of the thing and the thing itself, but, and maybe briefly in a theological context, but never so clearly and directly, and maybe most importantly of all, like actionably, uh, as I did through the system. Right. That's interesting. Okay. So you no doubt held your breath a bit. You had to read this stuff out to me. And, uh, mm. and Oh, you know what maybe struck me looking at oh, it yeah. now? Go on. Go on, yeah. It's often that we, we say, and say often enough, and maybe not always, but sometimes well enough, that sin will make you miserable. I mean, that sin, well, actually, I'm sorry, that sin will not make you happy. That going after, like in St. Thomas, he goes, power will not make you happy this will not make you happy. But yeah. we often fail to say it the other way around that we're unhappy because we're sinful. It's like, I think it's a very subtle distinction. It's like, if you're just right. sinful, you won't be happy. But I think sometimes we fail to say you're unhappy because you're sinful, even though it's, it's like the slightly different nuance. Yes. And I, I, it's, I've never heard anyone put it quite like that. And that, I think you're right though. I, that, that's exactly it. It's, and something, it's always, one of the reasons that, I wanted to write this was because I felt that 
the, the point you're making, although I hadn't heard it put so succinctly as you've just done it, um, is not appreciated by many within the church that, um, that we are the cause of our own um, happiness, uh, maybe unwittingly, but nevertheless, it's our, mm -hmm. it's our responses. Um, and asking that question, what am I unhappy about, actually opens the door to, through this process of a, of a new happiness. So, uh, no, that's, that's great. And again, I'm interested because I came to this from a totally atheistic background, no background in the faith at all. You were br brought up very well as a, a Catholic, um, and still this was a new idea to you, that, that, which I find interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so then you had to tell me this stuff. Now, one final. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's best to share it in connection to this. It's also thinking of how are we able to say that this unhappiness cause, is caused from sin, but how are we able to understand like authentic sorrow? You know, how are we able to understand like, you know, like the Blessed Mother has genuine sorrow at the foot of the cross, and yet it's not coming from her sinfulness or self centeredness. And, and one day, and I kind of lost a friendship with a, with a friend that I had for a number of years, and it was a close friend. And I remember sitting there kneeling at a church and feeling a great sorrow that this friendship had kind of fizzled out and died. And it was a great sorrow, I would argue, in proportion to the goodness that kind of had faded away in that friendship. And as I sat there sorrowful, and even with like a melodramatic tear in the eye, so to speak, uh, I also realized that though I was sorrowful and though I had shed a tear, reasonably so at a good that was lost i was not unhappy and it was in that moment that i saw like obviously not this integrated all the time but in that moment i was and it was a grace for me to see that you can experience authentic sorrow at the loss of a good without being personally unhappy that you know sorrow doesn't mean unhappiness you can still be happy but give yourself the proper space to experience sorrow in a proper and virtuously ordered way and when i experienced that i was like ah that's when i really knew that there was something to this system right i can remember our discussions on grief for example where we go mm -hmm. we go into this um because this often is produced well it, aren't there places where we can it we ought to be unhappy almost that, that um we're not responding properly and as you say it's it's not as though so, the, the sorrow you're describing is a, uh, well, the only way that I could summarize this, I think, and, and it's, it's so interesting hearing your explanation there, which is beautiful. Um, the only way I could try and communicate it um, was through the picture of an icon who has this bright sadness. So the, this, this, the expression of the saint in an icon uh, is uh, this, contentment tinged with melancholy and that melancholy is there to indicate compassion and concern for us our suffering uh, they wish that we were there with them but they are perfectly happy themselves but there is a, a sorrow for our suffering as well this doesn't affect their general happiness they are happy but nevertheless there is that um, empathy if you like for the suffering of others um, and th these two th this is not in conflict with the idea that there is a that generally we can say I am happy um, despite the fact that there are 
things that are happening which are not good, and I'm acknowledging that. Um, so, well, that's, that's great. Um, so, for the third time of asking, <laughs> I get it. You're about to tell me this, all these resentments and fears and um, deep thoughts, actually. We, we get into those um, things that I, when I did it, I'd never revealed to anybody. Did you hesitate at all before you, you told me that stuff? Um, did you worry about revealing it? Um, I, I guess for every personality has strengths and weaknesses and, and one of the strengths that I do have is it's, it's not terribly difficult for me to be open and forthright. So okay. other things that come easily to other people are a Herculean task for me, but <laughs> speaking forthrightly, even about deeply kind of painful and, and, and hurtful past situations, that's something that's kind of a grace that's not my particular difficulty. But again, right. other things that are easy for other people are often nigh impossible for me. So, so that's, <laughs> okay. that was just kind of a grace for me. I, I'm wondering also whether your um, background as a seminarian had trained you in some way to be open. I think that compounded a natural disposition. Uh, okay, that's great. Well, you're lucky. Uh, uh, because, uh, and also, of course, it is important that you're able to trust the person you're revealing this to. Um, and I'm guessing that, again, Father Sebastian had helped to sort of open the door in a way that allowed you to trust me. Um, so that's good. So we, we did that. Um, what was the effect on you having revealed all this stuff and having said all this stuff? You learned intellectually about this new approach to unhappiness. Um, but how did you feel having um, read it all out? Can you remember? I liked that it was a systematic, universal healing. It wasn't just like, I feel healed. It was like, these are the things that have been redeemed. And kind of as I think about it in an effective visual and cognitive way, almost like the idea of staples, like being removed, you know, there's a bunch of staples around the heart or however you want to visualize it. They're listed out, they're spoken out, getting off the chest, given back to God in prayer and redeemed. And those staples are just kind of like, remove one by one. It's almost kind of like a, a surgery-esque kind of an image. Like right. You've done the triage. You've taken a look at everything that's wrong. You're going to go in the anesthesia. It's going to sting. But everything's, everything that needs to be removed is going to be removed. And you felt happier. I mean, you, these resentments had gone as a result yeah. of this. Yeah. And I can remember that too, being really struck by it, actually. Yeah. And I think when I was really struck by the, the idea of the resentments being gone and forgiveness in particular, and also back to the daily routine, the idea that anytime someone had hurt you and you, you have that resentment as you're going out your day to, to not just try to forgive them or pray for them, which is kind of a nebulous, like, what does that really mean? Right. But the, for me, what struck me is the idea to like see for them all the good that you would particularly want in your own life. And that really helped me to kind of like, forgive harder if you will it's like forgive yeah. like oh it's so vague like but i could it could almost kind of give more oomph for emphasis to wishing them the best but either you said it or i said it is idea of like not just the best but the best that i would want so i made it particular so if i'm a bookworm i i wish this person that hurt me had like a library in their home it was cheesy but it was helpful and i, I realized that it hurt that it, it worked very effectively one day when after doing it for some time and someone had, you know, I was kind of hurt by this person 
had a substantial negative impact on my life. And a close friend of mine also knew this person and, and as a close confidant was also privy to the situation. And this person was, I knew was coming into town one day and my friend wasn't quite a snarky comment, but they could, he my friend said it with an air that like, oh, I bet you're not happy that he's coming. And at that moment, I realized that I didn't have any of the, the negative knee-jerk resentment that my friend intuitively and wrongly at that moment felt that I would have had. So I was like less affected by this person coming than my friend was who wasn't even directly. <coughs> and when I saw that, I was like, wow, like that's, that's really something. Mm. I can remember noticing those things as well. Uh, just um, it's not only did I have this tool, first of all, I, I was free of all this resentment. I, I, I felt, you know, in my case, I remember I'd never been to any confession and I'd been, I hadn't even been tra trying to lead a good life as a Catholic would see it. So I had a lot to get rid of. So the, the transformation for me was dramatic, actually, really uh, a great displacement um, of ju just how I felt about myself. But I noticed those little things as well. So that not only was I able to deal with things that occurred during the day, the unhappinesses that occurred, but somehow it affected my natural response to things, that, that my spontaneous response to certain situations would be better. Not, certainly not always perfect and not, not as I would wish, but it, I, I, I seem to be getting better is, is the thing that I felt, despite myself, despite... I wasn't aware of learning life skills. I, I was just doing things differently. And I found that exciting, actually. I thought, oh, wow, this is something that um, is beyond my power, is helping mm -hmm. me here. Yeah, I really had that sense. Okay, that's terrific. So we went through this, and then at this point, that's when we start to do the discernment process. And remember, that the... The big question, the, there's, a, there's eight sort of, this is delineated in eight steps, this process. But if you were to summarize it, what we do is ask the big question, which is, if you inherited so much money that you never needed to work again, how would you choose to spend your time? What life would you choose for yourself? In other words, if you had all the power and all the resources to enable you to change everything, according to your will, what would you do to be happy? Um, so we put that to you. Um, again, just tell me uh, how, what your thoughts were as you first heard, thought about this. And then I don't, you don't need to talk precisely what you, know, you were aiming to do, but just give us a sense of where it went from there once you started to think about these things. Sure. So I think one thing that maybe didn't strike me immediately, but has just since struck me on um, these past few months is the fact that I had a handful of competing wildest dreams, if you will. Yeah. And all of them were pretty long-term, took a lot of training, a lot of different, many different factors. Past couple months, I was able to put one or two steps in direction of all of them. And as I did that, doors began to open to varying degrees for multiple things. So it, it was nice to know that it wasn't so limited to this wildest dream set in stone. The keystroke is hit, I'm locked in place. It was, it was more like 
I have a handful of wildest dreams. I know I can't do all of them. I know some of them might overlap. Um, and I can't just because they were so ambitious that I couldn't even yet be all in for one of them. Uh, I was able to take a step here, a step there and a step there, all interestingly enough in the same general direction and very uncanny and providential doors opened in I'd say the top three of those different sectors. Right. Now I know that you, you're, uh, you don't want to sort of t tell the whole story that we could go on forever describing all that, what you, what you want, all that you want to do, but is, are there any little examples that you could give us maybe, um, that just get, illustrate what you, what you're describing that you are happy to reveal to us? Sure. So the one thing was, um, I, one of the things that became very clear to me through homelessness before I can remember in a certain sense is a strong love and propensity for teaching. So there was a friend of mine who had also left seminary at the same time that I had. He was hired by a Catholic school in the area. And I remember distinctly, it was kind of alone in an apartment and uh, my phone rings. And I, I think maybe I had just come in or something. Even I remember kind of like the lights were kind of off and, and no one was there. And, uh, and I answered my phone and it was a friend of mine who I'd known for, you know, six, seven years at this point. And he said, Hey, Hey Ryan, I just, I just started teaching at this, this Catholic school, which just happened to be 20 minutes down the road from where I was living at the time. And he says like, they're looking for someone else. Would you like to come on board? And I had already had a, an interview and basically a job offer working at another church with various capacities and, and I was weighing them both back and forth. And at a certain point, I realized that it wasn't an either or, but it was a both and. And I was able to say yes to, to both the working at the church and working at the school. And was, one of the things that became so clear to me throughout all those years is wanting to do teaching. And then this job literally couldn't have been more, more providential. Like it was within driving distance of where I live. I had a coworker there who I'd known for years. Uh, the president of the school uh, was a mutual friend of many of my mutual friends from school. So, I mean, it, it couldn't have clicked any more, any, any better than it did in regards to teaching being one of those wildest dreams, if you will. Right. Now that this, again, this is the sort of thing that started to happen to me. Um, and it could be coincidence and you can't prove it, but you just, once these things started to happen, I began to, believe that there was something in this that there is that this is taking me somewhere um that's exciting mm -hmm. um and <coughs> excuse me i got a cough there um now uh it's it's i think you i know you have sort of amazing dreams and in a sense we don't want to set you up for a fall and, and i think that's right so i'm not going to ask you to articulate them um, precisely, um, a bit like the, the one that I'm happy to talk about now because of what's happened, that I wanted to transform the whole of Western culture. But when I set off in the position I was in, um, I was only telling the, you know, my close circle of confidence that because um, it just seemed absurd for me to go off and guns blazing saying, this is what I'm aiming to do. <laughs> so, so I understand that you're, you're about a year into the process, you're just beginning, but you do have some wonderful, positive, ambitious 
dreams for how you can serve the world. So, so I just want to say that to people. Um, but in regard to those, um, even the, there have been providential first steps, haven't there, uh, that have happened? Very much so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and these are just through chance meetings or, again, coincidences? How, how have they occurred? Uh, all, all of the above, just by people that I meet here. Also, I think from natural disposition and temperament, only amplified by the confidence gained through the system, it as a confident person became even more kind of optimistic with a Christian informed optimism and kind of like the resentments are gone and there's a trust in the future and in the Lord. Uh, having the boldness to speak about these dreams to many people. So when I speak about them, they're like, oh, like so-and-so that I know, my cousin, my neighbor might be his assistance to that. So one of the things that's on the docket, it's on the, the, the long-term agenda, you know, not this year, not next year, but, you know, decades, you know, away that hopefully I would see that at least the initial beginnings of it really flourishing when I was like, when I'm in my 80s, it's a long-term goal is that I want to create a, a Catholic or at least a Catholic worldview medical research institute uh, in which they take a look at natural, like holistic modalities, uh, in particular nutrition for fighting against autoimmune diseases and also cancer, uh, and make nutrition be more of an integrated mainstream standard practice of care for Western medicine. So that's one of the, the long-term ambitious goals. Right. And I'm telling, I just tell people that that, that is not the most ambitious. <laughs> but, that, I mean, but I just th think this is wonderful that you can um, say this. And thank you for sharing that with us, okay? Because it's, it's a big thing to declare these things. But you, what you're saying is that even that, there have been little first steps to, that you've started to meet people who can contribute to or push you on that path, which is an amazing thing. I think. Yeah, I think just having the, the trust in the Lord and the boldness just to be able to speak about it, and also with the law of six degrees, just practically, if you have the guts to speak about it, you don't know that your next door's neighbor's son might have a PhD in neuroscience and might want to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And if you never share it, you'll never hear it. But when you share it, like your possibility of finding more connections just grows and grows. Yes. Um... Well, that's, that's wonderful. Um, so here we are now, we're just a year in. Um, now, uh, you're in a position to uh, show this to people. Are you enthusiastic to do this? Anyone who, uh, and, uh, Incredibly so. Are, are, okay, are there other ways in which you're um, looking to do so? I, I Certainly, anyone who wants to contact you, you're in the, which part of Florida are you in? Again? I'm in like the West Palm Beach area. Okay. Okay. So anybody who wants to contact Ryan, um, by all means contact me and I'll put you in touch uh, for the vision for you process. Um, have you got anything more just to, to say before we, we, we close? It, I, it's been very, very interesting hearing what it was like to be on the receiving end, if, you, <laughs> if I can call it that. Um, but what about what about the direction, anything that you want to say about the process and to encourage people? So in regards to the process, not in a personal way, but in a moving forward in an objective way, working at both a parish in the various capacities and also as a teacher at a Catholic school, I'm, I'm hoping to hopefully somewhat soon in parts or in a whole begin to implement this system in a classroom setting and then also looking at how it can be implemented 
and a parochial setting too. So Gosh. other people are curious about how to, maybe if they don't have the, the logistics and the means to incorporate all the steps of the system and either the school or, or parish setting, I'd, I'd be willing and interested to speak with them of how to incorporate aspects in the, in the, central, the central truths and aspects of it in the classroom uh, and in the parish. And I think for me, it was also kind of very beneficial just taking this time together to go through all the good fruits from it because oftentimes it's almost even with writing the gratitude list, you know, ideally on a daily basis, it's, it's nice to take a zoom out a little bit and, and see how fruitful it was. Yes. Uh, and maybe this could almost be like a quasi appendix step to the process of sharing the, the positive fruits of the story. And also just talking about it now, I think gives me even a greater optimism for the future. So it's, it's one thing to no longer have any resentment of hurt for the past, but it's maybe an equally great thing to have no fear. And I was already kind of a bold person as it was, even less fear and even greater optimism like for the future. And I can't remember when it was and if it was a direct fruit of the system or, or the Vision for You program or not, but it's definitely a fruit of the caliber and of the kind of fruit that comes from the system is um, I was on a retreat a few weeks ago with some of the students at the school and uh, one of the students made a, an interesting line when they said, it's okay not to be okay. Meaning it, it's okay to need help. You know, when family members, some of the students have really shared a lot of personal struggles and they're, they're pretty moving. And one, one student highlighted, I think wisely that, remember it's okay not to be okay. And which I think is true and I'm affirming that. But I realized that I think somewhere along throughout the system uh, and this process, I remember thinking to myself when the grace that I will never not be okay. Then after like a number of things that happened that were kind of pretty painful and, and, and oddly enough, most of them to a large extent weren't my fault. Many other things were my fault in my life, but many of these were kind of painful and not too directed to my culpability. Just these ones happen to be. And I remember being deeply hurt by it. And I remember realizing like through the system and just through this grace that even though I was so not okay, if you will, that I had to reach such a, a bottom, if you will, even kind of unknowingly to many people that knew me, not like a depression or anything of those natures, but just such hurt that, and I survived it and I was happy and I was okay, that this system allows you to never not be okay, if you will. It enables you to have that courage to, to shoulder whatever sort of chaos or adversity or, or pain or heartache that comes your way and gives you the tools to reach out when that's needed as well. So it's, I'm very grateful for that freedom of knowing that whatever comes through the tools of the system and trust in the Lord and the church, that you can, you can face it well. Yes. I, I, I believe that's true. Um, when you, as you're speaking, I always think, well, uh, you know, I, I read the lives of the saints pretty much daily because I, I do the office and I'm always interested in the saint that's being commemorated. And every time I read about the martyrs, particularly the early martyrs of the, the, you know, in the first centuries of the church, the terrible tortures that they went through, I just think, I, gosh, I wonder how I would cope with that. I hope I never have to face that. But um, all I can say is that my experience is that having done this for 30 years now, um, is that there hasn't been anything that I have had to deal with for which that isn't the case. Uh, there have been plenty of things. You're a young man, you're, you're in the, your life ahead of you. Um, it would be amazing if there weren't a few setbacks and difficulties. It, it, they're inevitable, I think. 
uh, you may be charmed, but uh, one would expect that, that things aren't going to go our way, at the very least, that we, you'd, call, you'd say there were setbacks. Um, but you might have to face things which are very serious and difficult. Um, now, I've had a number of things in my life that um, would come into that category, I would say. It's not on the level of the martyrs in, you know, in the second century AD or something, but uh, you know, it's bad in the context of my life. And it is amazing how it's possible to come through these things with the, the faith that this seems to bring into our lives. Um, so it's just wonderful to hear you say that. And I just say from my experience, uh, having gone through it longer, I still believe that, that the, the, the answer lies in God. And this is the path that I take. You know, it helps me to find God. Um, so that's that's it. Um, anything else you, I, you want to say? I just cannot. We can encourage uh, people to contact you through me if they want to go through the process. If they're down in Florida, there, is that okay? Yeah. Happy to meet okay. with anyone for okay. for sure. And just to okay. reaffirm what you said, that I think that you know, at the end of the day, we can trust and hold and affirm that like. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. He is Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I think, and you know, the no late tomorrow, like we have nothing to fear, like do not fear. And I think the beauty of this system is it, it helps us remember and put into practice that truth. That is wonderful. I'm going to say, I'm just going to close on that. Thank you, Ryan, so much for talking to, Thank you. to us today. You've been listening to the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give us a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others to find it too. Also, if you're interested in delving more deeply into the material that we discuss, you can do a course at the Pontifex University website. That's pontifex.university.